the free for all roundtable round two on round two, say good morning to News Talk 1010's Adjua in Sia Yavois. Pavan Brach is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, also a farmer. And lawyer, prof- professor, and activist Pamela Palmater is here as well. We must absolutely start with the Eglinton Crosstown and the story as reported today by Brian Lilly that it is not going to come online this calendar year. Pamela, I'll start with you. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that some projects might be over time, but I think we're going to be four years over schedule by the time this thing starts, and there's no impression that it is even going to start next year. Yeah, I mean, with with any major project, I feel like every single one has delays. Uh, that being said, you had COVID, but now we've been, you know, out of that part for a long time. And what I would really like to see is more transparency, more reporting on it. What are all the specific delays? What are the plans to address those delays Um, so that the public at least can understand what's going on as opposed to just, you know, doing bare minimum announcements? Oh, more delayed, more delayed. Yeah, Pavan, at the very least, I think we are owed some kind of an explanation. And my fear is they're not talking because something has gone critically wrong and it's just too embarrassing. Yeah, no, I agree. We are owed an explanation, but I, I and, and obviously it doesn't look very good when they won't even say. And I, it's a mistake not to start to talk about what is really going on. Obviously, I think that's a communications error. But I think if I could take it back up to 100,000 feet, uh, I would say that we need a broader inquiry, really overall, in terms of how we manage as a nation all of all of our public governance and our, and our building of infrastructure, because it's a disaster at every single level, federal, provincial, municipal, whether you talk about Phoenix or you talk about, you know, what's going on in Toronto and the question about LRT, et cetera. I think we really have to stop because we're running out of billions. We keep throwing billions and billions of dollars and we can't do it. And Canada has such a it's such a wonderful kind of history of being able to get things done. If you go back to the days in, you know, World War II and and the Bill Davis days and and you know, part of what we have to address clearly is we have to let the civil service do what they're supposed to do and and get the politicians out of micromanaging whether it's you know let's move the station because we have to cut some trees let's cross the street and move it there to bigger issues of friends and people being taken care of. It has to be separated again, and that's a big part of the problem. Well, and Adjua, as uh, Pavan has just hinted at, um, we haven't finished the Eglinton Crosstown, and we're jumping pell-mell into the construction of the Ontario line, and it's a little worrisome. Uh, very worrisome. Uh, what the Crosstown LRT was 2012 was when it started, and uh, we're still, we're, we're not even sure. They're saying hopefully 2024, which when they say that, you know, it's not probably going to be for another two years and maybe not even in my lifetime. But it's it's actual madness that this is happening. Yes, there needs to be accountability. I don't know why they're not at every press conference giving taxpayers updates because it's taxpayer dollars that are going into the crosstown. And then the audacity, if the CEO is going to get a raise, as this article stated, that's an insult to Ontario taxpayers. And that shouldn't be happening. He actually, in my opinion, should be let go because it's it's been from the LRT to the Finch LRT, which again has problems and delays. And that's not going to be up and running next year, which it's supposed to be. There are a lot of problems. And if they're not addressing it at every press conference, they have issues. 
and that, that need to be addressed because it's not okay that we're constantly, as Pablo was saying, throwing billions upon billions of dollars to a line that's not getting done. The LCBO is getting rid of paper bags. Pavan, are you going to survive? <laughs> well, I don't even drink anymore. Just uh, try to stay healthy. No, I will survive. It's it's a silly move to me. I think I think eliminating them entirely. If if you forget to bring uh, another, you know, conveyance, uh, then you should be allowed to buy a bag, just like at any other place. But I think I think not, no bags. Period is not right. Okay, Adjoy, your thoughts. Yeah, and I'm not losing sleep over this. And uh, when, I, when I got into the weeds of the detail, I understand that people are not recycling these bags because originally I thought, oh, well, it's a paper bag. People will recycle them, but that's not happening. So if this is the move that has to be made and people just have to bring a bag and, and they are providing boxes, it's fine. But to phase it out so quickly, maybe do it gradually so people get used to it and they remember to bring their reusable bags and also, if they start selling those reusable bags themselves, I'm seeing these bags being thrown out. They're being used as one-use items, too. So I don't know how helpful to the environment that is. Pamela, people always represent something like this as some sort of an existential crisis. I'm pretty sure we're going to be okay without bags. <laughs> we most likely will. I'm quite sure of it, because if you look at the moves, I mean, there were certain grocery stores that went straight to those uh plastic bins and try not to have bags at all others you could buy a reusable bag i mean most people i mean this has been going on for years so i'd say the the majority of people have something to use now if you're going into the liquor store and buying two bottles of wine while well, you've got two hands to carry that if you're buying a whole case of something well at lcbo um they used to have they keep those boxes out that they have for delivery so that you could just use one of those I, Anything we can do to help save the environment, which is in crisis, no matter how small people think it is, I think that's well worth the price of being a tiny bit inconvenienced. All through this week, there have been these uh, roiling debates at the York Region Catholic School Board about raising the pride flag in the month of June. Now, with all that negativity, some activists are saying York Region Catholic schools could be declared an unsafe space for queer kids. Uh, Adjua, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I, I just don't understand how it's become such an intense protest and kickback. Um, I guess it's for the people that are the counter protesters that are coming uh, to these um, school board meetings and they have an agenda and they want to make it crazier than it actually is. It's they wouldn't do this if if it was black students present day. And uh, you would say you don't want Black History Month because they know the black backlash they would get. It almost seems like if you're LGBTQ plus, it's it's a feeding frenzy and they feel that it's OK, maybe because of what's going down uh, south in the states. Uh, they feel that this is OK and they're influenced by that. It's none of that's OK by when the meeting started um, at the school board in York Region. It seemed that everything was fine and, and people were having peaceful conversations and then. It just went crazy when there was a presentation and there was a bigoted speak uh, by somebody who decided to spew like venom at LGBTQ plus people in the room. So I don't know who's allowed. I guess I guess it's an open public forum. So anybody can attend these meetings, even if they don't have students at the school. But you just get into the weeds with these people. Sometimes uh, people like that need to be banned because they have a particular agenda and it's it's not creating any positivity in that regard. It is an unsafe space 
when that is happening. And Pamela, you know, Andrew made an interesting comparison there because people keep saying that we're, well, we're not protesting against gay people. We just don't want to have to see that flag flapping. Well, if on a day where we're recognizing Canadians, uh, you know, Canadian indigenous people, somebody said, I don't want to see that flag flying, I think we'd recognize that for the intolerance that it is. Exactly. And you have to think about it. I mean, sometimes the articles simplify things too much. This isn't just about a flag. When you talk about unsafe, you're talking about the physical unsafety that many of those students have. They're being bullied at school or being mistreated by their teachers uh, on and off the school grounds, so to speak. But then, you know, there's also the the mental safety. And I don't just mean that in a, in a hairy fairy kind of way. I mean, um, young people who are LGBTQ have high suicide rates. They're often bullied. Uh, we need to make sure that schools, no matter what kind of school it is, is safe in all respects for people. It's, it's more than just about the flag. Pavan, your thoughts? I just got a text, actually, from somebody saying, freedom of speech be damned, which is a way that people tend to frame this yeah. as if we need to tolerate intolerance, that that is inclusivity. Yeah, no, I I agree. It, it listen the, the the issue here. I'm I have absolutely no issues with any, you know, with with us, uh, you know, respecting all all people, all backgrounds, etc. Obviously, I but I I do have an issue with you know getting into these battles at the school boards, which I agree should be eliminated. Uh, you know, where we having people saying that if you don't do this you hate us. Uh, and I, and I think schools, you know, are turning into battlegrounds and I think it's extremely unhealthy for the kids. Um, it creates the wrong environment. We should, we should put carved in stone in the front lobby, the Canadian human rights act that says, Hey, we don't tolerate any nonsense. Everybody is equal. We're all here. We support each other. And that's the end of it. And let's not, let's not allow ourselves to start to, to, for, for every tribe and every group, to constantly insist at the risk of being, you know, at the risk of declaring themselves as being hated, that they have to have their their symbol up, whether it's the right, the left, the, the religious, the non-religious, all, all groups. I think we just have to go back to the basics, which is the Canadian Human Rights Act and stop there. Uh, Adjua, of course, you're a traffic specialist, a transport uh, and transit specialist. Uh, what do you make of Ontario uh, thinking about three-wheeled vehicles? I didn't know they weren't allowed because I've seen three-wheeled vehicles on the streets. I have two, and uh, it's it, to me, it's very unsafe. Uh, they're weaving in and out of lanes, and they can only go a particular speed. They end up hindering traffic. There are all sorts of delays. And the biggest thing for me in this article was I don't understand that if you have to get a G license, if that is their plan, why you shouldn't be insured. So that's just going to fall on the driver once again. So if there's any sort of accident, the driver's the one that's going to end up getting blamed for this. So I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's just going to cause more unsafety on the roads. Um, make another lane if that's what you want to do. But big vehicles and three-wheeled vehicles that can only go a particular speed, not the answer. Thanks, everyone. Adjoy and Sia Yabois, Pavin Brach, and Pamela Palmiter on the round table. That's free for all round two. Uh, I'm going to be away for a few days. I'm probably going to come back with a southern drawl because I suffer from infectious accent syndrome. But uh, Jerry Agar is going to keep you company, and uh, I'll see you back here next week. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.